This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. everyone. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Thank you so much for joining our conversation today. We're wrapping up our holiday mini-series called A Persuasion Christmas. And each episode, we've been featuring conversation about a specific way pop culture is shaping our mindset and approach to Christmas celebrations. So the first episode was a Hallmark Christmas. The second was a Die Hard Christmas. So we've talked about romance and predictability predictability. We've talked about madness and mayhem. And today we're all about the Charlie Brown approach to Christmas. Hannah, I've been very excited to begin this conversation with you because I love a Charlie Brown Christmas special. I watch it every year. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. I know I do. It's more by default just because it comes on broadcast television at that time of the season when you're looking for something to sit down and kind of relax with maybe loved ones. And so what was interesting to me is while I had not watched Hallmark Christmas movies or Die Hard, I have seen A Charlie Bound Christmas probably 10 to 15 times. Oh, yeah. Easily. Me too. I mean, we would watch it every single year. And from when I was a kid until now, I mean, I, I almost think I watch it more consistently as an adult every year than I did when I was a kid. I, I really enjoy it. It's interesting, though, because I did rewatch it recently, and I actually watched it. Mm-hmm. Like, usually it acts as kind of a background to my holidays yes. celebration. It's just part of what you do. Like, you go to a church cantata you have a maybe office christmas party you make cookies and you watch the charlie brown christmas special it's just part of the liturgy and so i don't often pay attention to the actual story Mm -hmm. right because you know it right you've seen it you know the story and so it's there as part of the the warmth of your christmas with your family yeah And I think the Peanuts characters are so familiar because they've been licensed. And so they're (laughs) everywhere. They're very accessible. We all know Snoopy. We know Charlie Brown. We know Linus and Lucy um, and Sally. And there's a familiarity with these characters that makes them almost feel like family of a kind. Um, But I have to tell you, when I sat down to watch it this time and actually paid attention to what was going on, I was like, who 
are these little monsters? <laughs> I wondered the same thing. As we were discussing and preparing for this, I was like, oh, I know this story. But I thought, oh, no, I should I should rewatch. We haven't watched yet. So Mike and I did what our usual. We had some hot cocoa. We had the twinkle lights on with the Christmas tree. And we watched Charlie Brown. And I really watched it more so for um, prepping a discussion rather than just taking it in as entertainment. And I could not believe how terrible (laughs) the commentary was. And I thought, oh, my goodness, he wrote this down for these characters. These were their lines. And these children are not nice to each other at all. (laughs) Right, right. But we need to back up because I think the first thing that I realized in kind of giving new eyes to this story is that Charlie Brown is supposed to be this boy, but he's mm-hmm. actually a middle-aged man, right? <laughs> so and how he carries himself right? <laughs> and how he talks. <laughs> and the things he's concerned about. Uh-huh. And, and what was fascinating to me is the, all of the characters are represented as children, mm-hmm. but it's more likely adults. These are adult yeah. concerns. These are adult conversations. Um, and I'm sitting there watching it as an adult kind of throwing my mind back and and realizing this is why there are never parents or teachers that you can hear and understand it's because the children are the adults in this storyline which is fascinating but it also made me kind of watch it in a different light Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. And also realizing that um, I think the Christmas special first aired in 1965. So this is like 55 years ago. And that'll blow your mind when you think of it in that context as well. Yes, so long ago. And yet this message is still one that is so applicable today. And it's hard to believe that those same messages that people were listening to then they fit for today and are are good it's a good word brought to us by these characters who are kids which is really interesting that it's it's kind of like that from the mouths of babes sort of thing where you are receiving information that or truths that you know but you need to hear them again and because they're brought to you by this cast of characters each coming at it from a different angle it's going to hit you in a different way and maybe help you understand it in a fresh way one of the things that really struck me that I don't know why I hadn't picked up on it before was how much the um, dialogue and the storyline seems to be concerned with commercialism of Mm -hmm. Christmas. Yeah. It's so so heavy. It's very explicit from the beginning where, um, you know, Charlie Brown is talking about not being in the Christmas spirit. You know, it happens every year. He just gets sad, which is why I'm like, you are a 40-year-old man. (laughs) (laughs) But then Snoopy decorates his house, right? And Snoopy's all in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, for a contest. And Charlie (laughs) Brown is just has this almost existential response to it is like all this commercialism of Christmas, which was so funny, like ironic that, you know, 50, 55 years ago, this concern about the commercialism and consumerism of Christmas overshadowing the true meaning of Christmas would be kind of the essential question of these children. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And and Charlie Brown's sister writing her letter to Santa and and having all sorts of things on her wish list. But then she says, hey, if it's easier for you, just send money. And 10s and 20s, just send them on over. And so it really is hitting it strong, even with the the character who seems to be the youngest. I know they never really say ages, but she is the younger sister and she carries herself as a younger child. And so even to show that this consumerist mentality is in the youngest of us, I think it brings Charlie Brown further along in that that woe is me, what is happening on earth sort of um, mind frame. Mm-hmm. And I think we understand that because we hear that even today like we all just want a simple Christmas or we're trying to recover the true meaning of Christmas which we mean is don't have all these presents don't have all this busyness Um, I know a couple years ago I saw that list um, going around of you know something you want something you need oh sure something Mm -hmm. to wear something to read I think and so the idea was you just need a few presents to make Christmas Christmas. You don't need to spend all of this money. So so limit it and and have proportion to it. Um, And that will help you get the true meaning of Christmas, right? That's that seems to be the underlying kind of goal. Yes. And I think that same message comes across in another movie that I also enjoy at Christmas which is the Grinch and I'm talking about the more recent one with the with the actors so the one with Jim Carrey that one also has this very strong commercialism thread where and it also focuses on a child trying to make sense of Christmas in the midst of all this holiday hubbub and so I think both of these films are focusing on that like from the child's perspective do we need all of this stuff what does this stuff mean to us and each story is moving you along trying to help you process is it about the gifts is it about the stuff and then each of these stories has its end message which is saying no it's not all about that and yet most of us still carry on with our christmas as usual even if we back it off a little bit there's still the hubbub and some of that um with the the gift exchange and the and the gift giving so kind of interesting Another uh, theme that I picked up on that I think actually makes sense with this question of commercialization and the true meaning of Christmas was what we mentioned earlier, that the kids are just awful. <laughs> like, I know we think they're all cute and we put them on our lunchboxes and our socks and all of this stuff that we have this warm affection toward them. But if you actually listen to what they're saying to Charlie Brown, um, Like, I was just a little appalled. I'm like, I do not get this. Like, I'm not sure the sense of alienation that he feels, the sense of isolation from the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, at one level, I get that. Like, he's just Charlie Brown. Right. Right. It's they keep saying things like, oh, you can't count on him for anything. He's always going to mess it up. And I'm thinking, well, what record does this poor kid have? He must have done everything wrong in his whole life because everyone thinks it and they all roll their eyes at him. And it's collectively they're irritated with him because he is not um, measuring up in whatever way that they want him to to be part of their group. And they all kind of gang up on him. They do. And and they say things like, 
um, you take a perfectly good holiday and find a make way to make a problem with it. It's right? terrible. Yeah. <laughs> or um, one of the lines was, you're the charliest, Charlie Brownest of all Charlie Brown. Yes. Yes. The Charlie Browniest. I thought that was the hel- the most hilarious line that I caught this time, which I'm sure I've heard it before, but it has stuck with me. I was like, oh, it's like they use his name as the descriptor, as the worst thing you could ever be is a Charlie Browniest kind of a person. So that poor guy, he has a complex. He does. But then I wonder, like, is it justified? Right? These people are awful. And if you (laughs) lived in community and these were your friends. Yeah. You would have the same kind of, you'd be sad at Christmas too. Yes. The poor guy. I mean, if you think of this in terms of today's world and the amount of bullying that goes on in schools and through social media, this is the precursor. This is Charlie Brown had to hear it to his face day in and day out. They were not nice to him. And so maybe this was the inspiration to the anti-bullying that has come up as of late, these campaigns, because, I mean, that is a picture of it. And yet he still seems to go about and hang out with these people. It's yeah. like, oh, my goodness, they're not and nice. And so so you have these two themes that kind of set up the the crisis and the problem within the story, which is um, commercialization of Christmas, but mm-hmm. also alienation yes. from community. And, and I thought, wow, that's a lot deeper than I'm giving credit to this cartoon that I've watched 10 to 15 times. Um, yeah. But... I, I, Another thing that hit me with that, Hannah, when you talk about that um, commercialization and and alienation, somehow it was magnified for me or more obvious for me because of the slow pacing of the show. Um, It it gives you time to really think about it if you are taking it in in this way. It gives you plenty of pauses to think about what they're really saying, to think about the message, to see how they're interacting, and to consider it. And it really did remind me a bit of the pacing of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood um, and those shows and how it was a little bit quieter and calmer. And you just saw these kids, the Peanuts gang, going through the motions of what is going on during Christmas with their outdoor activities and then they're practicing for their program. And it you, it shows them doing everyday things, walking around and um, ice skating and things like that. It was, it, I thought that was kind of interesting. You're so right about the pacing that it gives you enough space to feel the emotion yes. of what's going on. And I think you're right as well about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood having a similar pacing where you could just sit and feel. Of course, the difference is with Charlie Brown and the Peanuts gang is you can just sit and feel the awkward. Yes. Like you you just sit and feel the pain. And there's a level at which I am so surprised that this has endured except for the fact that it's giving voice to a lot of the emotions that we may feel too. That sense of, um, you know, sadness for sure through the holidays, but also that sense of distance and alienation that we end up feeling from people, even though we could be surrounded Mm -hmm. by a community. Like you can be lonely 
in community. And Charlie Brown kind of epitomizes that sense of having all of these friends, but still not having um, the acceptance or the connection that we long for. Mm-hmm. And his his dialogue, I felt like it was sort of like mirror to the soul sort of a thing. Um, this poor kid, I mean, his friends are openly not being nice to him and saying mean things to him. And I know how I can react when I hear a comment that even if there's some truth to it, it can hurt. And when I hear those comments about things about me that are not measuring up, boy, I can stew on those things so long and my inner dialogue just goes crazy with it. And so knowing that this poor kid is getting all these rather negative comments and all this negative feedback from his friends. It's no wonder he's so Charlie Brown. I mean, the poor kid. He's got all this going on. And I I bet it's that um, that swirling of repeating and rehashing, oh, this is who I am. And so then it's just coming right on out. And, mm-hmm. and it's really kind of sad. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. It's interesting that you mentioned how that can loop in our brain, because as I was watching it, I did have this moment of like wondering, are these actually separate characters? Or is this just the way Charlie Brown is talking to himself? Mm -hmm. Like, is this reflective of the kind of self-talk that we can engage in too, where um, we only hear and remember those kind of critical comments and they just kind of loop in our head. And so you do go through <laughs> your life just kind of like, well, of course. I can't do anything right. I can't do anything right. <laughs> you know, never going to be able to kick the football. <laughs> never going to feel happy on Christmas. Never going to be all happy on Christmas. And and so there is this, like, I don't want to, like, demonize these this kids or this story is obviously more than that, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot more going on, a lot more human emotion that's being explored, the dynamics and the relationship. But what's fascinating is at Christmas, when you long to be connected with people, when you long to have that kind of fellowship and um, – you know, communal experience of this holiday, 
you see this character so alienated from his peers. Mm-hmm. And it's just heartbreaking. You it just really sit is. with it. You can't escape it. You can't look the other way. And you're just watching this poor kid slump his shoulders and hang his head down <laughs> and walk home alone. Well, and I could not demonize these kids because earlier when I said this is like mirror to the soul, I also felt that same thing as I was, I was listening to their dialogue and their comments to him. And I'm thinking, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. And it's like, okay, well, I have thought these things and worse about others and maybe not voiced them. So if this is an inner dialogue rather than an actual exchange between different people, then it's like, yes, I've had all of this banter going on in my brain, feeling terrible about myself, but then (laughs) thinking, oh, these people are driving me nuts, or why can't they get this right, or whatever. And so if this is if Charlie Brown is serving as a way to cut through and give us a sense of who we really are, then that brings us to a completely different point of this this short 30-minute animation. It's not just a Christmas celebration. It's sort of like, hey, what's the state of your soul and what's going on in there? And honestly, it's it's not all good. Yeah, it was a lot of self-awareness and, yeah. and kind of revelation of the human condition. And in that sense, I was actually very uh, impressed mm-hmm. um, with the level at which it was truthful. Yes. Okay. So we've talked about in the last couple episodes, we've talked about um, whether these kinds of presentation of Christmas are, you know, with the Hallmark movies, they're um, – they may not be exactly accurate or truthful, but there's a consistency and there's a liturgy and there's a ritual and there's a drawing into community that's really good. And we talked about Die Hard where there's this um, realism, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this looking hard things in the face mm-hmm. and seeing them for what they are and recognizing the reality of the Christmas story. And I think what, I, I appreciated so much watching a Charlie Brown c- Christmas this time was the truthfulness mm-hmm. of it with its truthfulness about the human condition and the state of our kind of angst and alienation. Um, but I have to also be honest that I don't know that I quite got the ending. Mm, okay. Right, because I know, like, the thing that conservative and Christian people like about this is that there's this monologue by Linus of uh, Luke 2 um, telling the Christmas story straight from Scripture. And we're all like, oh, it's the Bible. Yay, (laughs) that's the true meaning of Christmas. But watching it this time just felt like a Jesus juke. Like... (laughs) I'm like, I don't quite know what's going on because you've set up this really true exploration of the commercialism of Christmas, of the alienation. And then Charlie Brown's like, ah, maybe I don't even know the true meaning of Christmas. And Linus says, I know the true meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown. (laughs) And then he goes center stage and he quotes the passage and then... Then what? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. I in the past I had always thought, oh, this is 
this is the highlight of the show. This is the climax of the story because it gets even quieter when Linus takes center stage, if that's even possible. This quiet show gets near silent and Linus is speaking into a microphone and there's a spotlight on him. So it is crafted to be the the moving scene where we're going to cut through everything that's been confusing and Linus is going to bring the word. And I always like it. I, I hadn't seen it as a Jesus juke, but I see what you're saying there. I did still appreciate it, but I thought it was interesting that it wasn't the end of the story. So he gives a speech and then he tells Charlie Brown, and that's what Christmas is all about. And Charlie Brown, you can tell he's pleased. You can tell his heart feels encouraged. And he takes his cute little tree and he walks off and everyone's like, well, where is he going? So then they follow him. So he goes and it's almost like Charlie Brown has taken in this message. And this is me just making up commentary, filling in the blanks. But it's almost like Charlie Brown has taken in this truth. He, he's His heart feels encouraged and warmed. And it's almost like he's saying, oh, I'm going to try to participate in this a bit. Like, I'm going to decorate this little tree. I like him, even though everyone else hates this little tree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decorate it. He puts on the heavy red ornament and it sinks to the ground. But what comes right back at him? It's all that negative self-talk where he's like, oh, I ruined it again. <laughs> like, I can't get anything right. And he walks off. The rest of the crowd comes up, all these these kids. And it's Linus again who wants to connect this back to, hey, I never thought this was such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all. Maybe it just needs a little love. So he and the kids come around and they fix up the tree. And it prompts the rest of the kids to join in, and they are showing love to the tree. But I almost see the tree as a metaphor for Charlie Brown. Like, they gather around this broken little tree, they prop it up, and then they, they love Charlie Brown by serving him by making this tree look better. So I feel like the actual moral to the story is the gathering of community to love the unlovable. And that's really what the message of the of Luke is too, is God coming to love the unlovable. So that's really, to me now, what I think this animation mm-hmm. is all about. It's it's coming in and and loving what really on the surface, you want to berate. I mean, these kids were terrible to Charlie Brown, and yet they finally put that aside and love him for who he is. Kind of interesting. Right. So, yeah. And that, what's fascinating about that is the transformation doesn't happen to Charlie Brown. Yeah. The, the change happens in the community. Yeah. The change happens in the children who have this um, repentance, this form yeah, of repentance. That's what it looked like to me. Toward the tree, as uh-huh. you said, representative of Charlie Brown. Yeah. And all it needs is a little love. Um, and, and again, what's fascinating to me is they love on the tree, they decorate it, and it looks nothing like. I know. It's so funny. <laughs> that tree the, is total transformation. It's amazing. Right. <laughs> it looks nothing like the tree that Charlie Brown had picked. But what was ironic to me is um, when we talk about a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, we mean the original one. Oh, right? yeah. Yep. So 
people will even do this ironically where they'll get a scraggly little tree and decorate it and be like, oh, I just like Charlie Brown Christmas trees. I just like the kind of outcast one. Yeah, the little scraggly one. We even have someone put this gigantic red ball ornament on a tree along our our walking trail and it weighs the top of the tree down and it looks just like that sad little tree that Charlie Brown had there with the the ornament weighing it all the Mm -hmm. way down to the ground. So people love and connect with the scraggly tree mm-hmm. rather than the right. finished one. Right. And I do think what you're you're saying about the transformative power of loving the unlovely, caring for the broken, um, does resonate with even that passage that uh, Linus quotes, because it ends with um, the angels singing peace on earth, goodwill to men. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, recognition that th- the Christ child is coming to bring union, to bring goodwill, to bring wholeness um, to men who have been at odds with each other, yeah. um, to bring peace. And so you see this community just alienated, not necessarily from each other, but definitely from Charlie Brown. And you experience yes. it through him. You experience the alienation and the rejection and just the angst through him. And then there is a form of repentance at the end. Yeah, Um, I like that. It's like I need to see that in action. And I think even as the the friends had been berating Charlie Brown and, and berating him and pushing him away, I see that as our tendency to want to get far away from broken things and mm. far away from weak, far away from weakness, far away from anything that isn't measuring up because we're like, oh, we don't have time for that. We don't want to mess with that. We don't want to identify with that. And somehow in this transformation, Linus has rallied them to say, oh, no, let's let's get in further. Let's let's engage. And Let's see if we can make this better. Like mm-hmm. that to me is such a strong message that we need to hear. It's like we don't need to back off and make fun. We need to dig in and get busy and see what we can do to make this more beautiful. Such a strong message here in this yeah, and 30 I minute film. Even as you're saying that, I think of how Linus as a character relates to Charlie Brown. And most of the time he's just sitting with him in his grief. Yeah. Yes. He's just present. He's With there his at the wall. Blanket. Yes, I love it. and Charlie Brown's just talking about how awful everything is, and Linus is just sitting there listening. Um, compared to Lucy, right? Who's going to hmm. fix it? Yes, she's going to fix everything. <laughs> right, like come to my come psychiatrist, and talk to the psychiatrist booth. <laughs> right, and here's your problem, and here's what you need to do, and this is the next thing we need to do, Charlie Brown. You need to have engagement. Right, you know. Right. So I do think coming away from watching it this time that there was a much, it was much clearer to me that this is a question about what to do with our brokenness. Yeah. Um, And the true uh, engagement of it as recognizing it, honoring it, sitting with it, but also the hope that, you know, the, the true meaning of Christmas is that the Christ child has come to heal that brokenness and to restore the fellowship and communion among men. Amen. That is a good word, Hannah. Well, I think that is um, 
a great summary and really a good capper for this, not just this conversation, but our our mini series here, which I have so enjoyed. And all of you listeners out there, we hope you've been encouraged by this conversation. Check out the first two episodes in the series, The Hallmark Christmas and The Die Hard Christmas. We'd love to hear how these conversations are helping you to celebrate and or cope this Christmas. And we're so glad that you joined us. And as always, you can join us um, on Twitter at Persuasion CAPC or in the members forum. We've had some really good discussion over the last few weeks about um the other episodes in this series and we would love to hear what you think of a charlie brown christmas maybe you knew all of this already and aaron and i have (laughs) just missed it for years (laughs) come tell us that um we would love to hear your thoughts we want to say thanks to jonathan clausen he produces persuasion and all the other shows in our podcast network give them a listen at christandpopculture.com at itunes wherever you get your podcast this fix. And while you're out there, we would love to have your comments, your ratings, your reviews so that other people can find us too. We do thank you for listening to Persuasion and we will catch you in the new year. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by the Better Samaritan Podcast, where Jamie Ayton and Kent Annan discuss everything from simple acts of kindness to complex humanitarian challenges with their guests. Want to learn how to faithfully do good better? Find insights at The Better Samaritan.